Hello, and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And we are here, gathered together to record on November 12th, the one-year anniversary of War of the Spark for Forsaken. Um, our podcast has nothing to do with Forsaken, but I did write a nice little article for CoolStuffInc.com called One Year Forsaken, How to Rebuild Magic Story. It hits up on a lot of the issues that the story community, the story itself, and content creators like the Vorthos cast have faced in the years since the novel was published, um, and how we can kind of move forward and what resources we need to be able to keep interest in the story, like, go growing, ultimately. But that is that is my um, pitch to you today, if you want to read it. It's my pen tweet, or it's just available on CoolStuffInc.com. Uh, we'll link to it on our Twitter and uh, our SoundCloud description and on Tumblr and all that fun stuff. Uh, it is also November 12th. Uh, it's a Thursday, which means if you don't hear this episode, it's because tomorrow is uh, Friday the 13th in 2020, and uh, the world probably ended or something. I don't know. Oh, that, that's bad. I mean, we got good news Saturday, so I'll take what I can get this year. Oh, anyway. Uh, yeah. So this week is our uh, part two talking about the legends of commander legends because there's like i don't know like a thousand of them uh no there's like 70 or something which is ridiculous and why we're spending two whole flavor gems episode talking about just the legends like we're not even gonna hit all the flavor gems of the actual set of which there are some great cards uh maybe maybe one day we'll go back uh but uh yeah, for now we're just talking about legends, and uh, we are starting with uh, a nice, a nice little blast from the past uh, with a, a good elf ball pal. So Brian, take us off. We all know I, I we all know that I lay claim to all the elves in the set. So we're gonna start off with the Abomination of Lanoir. This this creature is literally an elf ball. It, it's it is a amalgamation of a number of dead elves who sucked in a bunch of living elves that were trying to figure out what a what this morass of necromantic magic that was like inhibiting or i'm gonna restart that (sighs) um our first card is abomination of lanoir it is a it's literally an elf ball it's all sorts of creepy and it's amazing and terrifying all at the same time. It's basically a number of elves that have been sucked into a black hole of necromantic black magic and that sucked in more living elf scouts. So it's like made up of half dead, half living elves that are gradually consuming elves that are that wander into its territory. Um, it's it's a really interesting looking card. Personally, I wish it was a it was a different flavor. Like I guess my my hopes for this would have been something along the lines of some kind of Lanawar, uh, some plagued Lanawar elf, or um, some le- some remnant of the Phyrexian War or the invasion era, basically, who's like mourning all of the elves or something. I don't know. This certainly wouldn't have been my choice for a flavor for the Elf Legend <laughs> for this set, 
But, you know, I will respect game here because they nailed this flavor. Like, for what they did with it, like, I'm impressed. It's it's impressive. It's funny you say that, and, and not to be MTG goth girlfriend, but I vibe with this flavor so hard, and I hate elves. But I love this so much. Um, our next card is... Oh... I, you know, Jay's not here, which means I get to be the one who struggles with pronunciation this week. Uh, I think it's Icy. It's A-E-S-I, the, uh, one of the um, Precon deck uh, commanders. Uh, Tyrant of Gyre Strait, who is pretty generic giant sea serpent, ocean-covered world where monstrous creatures uh, are sated with sacrifices, but like like the frenetic seas, they might destroy travelers even if they offer things to them. And uh, that's like really good generic sea monster flavor for your pre-con deck. That is like when we talk about resonance and um, new characters using some of that uh, low-hanging fruit as, as a way to uh, kind of catapult into magic. Um, especially for something like a precon deck like this, for both as a precon and both as a commander deck to get people into the format. This is like perfect. Really, really happy with the execution here. This is not where you want deep cuts. This is where you want to be broad, big strokes. And uh, we get that, which is neat. Um, our next card is a Chroma, Vision of Ixidor. This is following up on um, our story that I started last week with Kamal and Jessica, um, where. Akroma attacks um, Jessica, a.k.a. Phage, at the time while she's battling in the arena in Oteria. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the city. But it's basically the car that's Grand Coliseum. Uh, they're uh, building it, and in the first battle that Phage does there, Akroma comes and attacks Jessica while she's fi- or Phage while she's fighting. Phage grabs onto Jessica or onto Akroma's legs and starts to rot them away. She flies back to Ixidor. Ixidor replaces them with the legs of a jaguar. And then um, that's what instigates a march, a joint venture of Krosa's army with uh, Kamal at their head and Phage leading the Cabal's army to fight Ixidor. Um, Ixidor sends out these motes of... Uh, these weird moats that they fly into people's heads and produces the a mirror image of them so people are fighting themselves. But when one flies into Phage, she starts barfing up uh, these death worms. And um, eventually one starts to one come one of basically all of Phage's kills produces a death worm. And the Death Worm starts ravaging Tapos, which is Ixidor's palace, and the Nightmare Lands around them. And uh, one eventually eats him, and Akroma dives in into the the gullet, and uh, he reaches him, but he doesn't want her to stay. So he repairs her legs with lances, and she uh, flies out to be killed by uh, Kamal. At the same time as Akroma and Zagorka, who I'm sad didn't get a card in the set. There, there's a comment in our live listen. This storyline remains weird AF. And yeah. 
<laughs> this is why I don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, like, personally, I loved uh, Odyssey Block. The story for Odyssey Block was very grounded. Um, Laquatus was kind of over the top, but, you know, Merfolk, Dominary and Merfolk are always extra. But um, Onslaught Block really turned it up to 11 in the weird stuff, so definitely understand that. Hey, it's it's almost like Magic Story itself got corrupted by the Marari. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. You're approaching pretty close to reality with that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, the next character is Elharu, Solemn Ritualist. Um, they are a new character, and when they were young, they were kind of plagued by goats, um, or the voices of goats <laughs> that desperately wanted help. Um, and they kind of recoiled from that and were rightfully horrified by seeing ghosts everywhere. Um, and as they grew older, they ended up like wanting to help these spirits move on in life and ultimately just like bring them to peace. Um, they became a master ritualist and just after countless years of study, like are able to help any spirits that they happen upon, um, move on. And what move on means in this sense is not exactly clear because we don't know what plane they're on, but ultimately that's it. I my brain just goes to the old timey doctor thing. You've got you've got ghosts in your blood and you should do cocaine about it. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> you should never do cocaine about it, but you should use leeches. Um Please don't get me on an aside about medicinal leech use because they are very good for some things. Uh, mostly, <laughs> mostly as anticoagulants during surgeries, especially small localized uh, areas, uh, and especially, especially when people have issues with anesthetics, because not everyone can uh, use them. Uh, so there are actual real medicinal uses. Leeches, they're great. I love leeches, by the way. Worms in general, especially annelids, good stuff. Um, Here's my bonus note for Alharu, real quick. Yes, is that I've seen people claim that this is another non-binary magic character, which is correct in the general sense, but only because we know that wizards is going to use they/them pronouns for non-binary characters. But like, here's a spoiler for people: you can just be cis or be trans and use whatever pronouns you want like it doesn't actually fucking matter so like the fourth dimensional chess would be for this to be like a clearly gendered cis character and just use they them pronouns but you know wizards isn't ready for that yet so <laughs> we should do a gender studies episode yeah with all but six or seven <laughs> characters we have to do no i mean just in it's, general it's <laughs> But, yeah. yeah, it's it's difficult to um, kind of grapple with people because I know people want to see this representation in mm-hmm. it, but it's like they them does not correspond to non-binary. It can, and in most cases in real life, it probably does at the current times. But like that's it's not a strict rule, and like I don't know. That's why I want to see like more specific commitments from wizards with these characters. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if listeners are ready to start talking about neo-pronouns and non-binary men <laughs> and non-binary women and uh, the eradication of the phrase binary trans person, because that's ah, that, that's one that drives me. <laughs> every time 
I see a cis or a geez, uh, a trans woman um, or a trans man call themselves uh, a binary binary trans person. I'm just like, but you know better than this. You've thought about gender. You that's no. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, speaking of gender, Anara, Wolven familiar. This not actually has nothing to do with gender. Um, but this is one of our familiar commanders. Uh, not in the sense that we've seen them before. Uh, she is a wolf with antlers, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, wolf beast in which I I guess makes her like the wolf version of Felidar. Uh, in, in the way that Felidar are giant cats with horns and are cat beasts. This is wolf beast, big wolf with horns. Uh, but um, her little bio is pretty cute because it's like, hey, this is a hunting companion, except if you want to be proud of being a good hunter, too bad because she's better than you. And I think that's very funny. Uh, next up, we have a Raumi of the Dead Tide, who is a merfolk and... Uh, one of, you know, uh, of, we have a lot of generic commanders who are not bound to any plane, uh, at least not known plane. And, uh, you know, like I said, with the sea serpent up there, um, sometimes generic is good. Generic bridges people into magic who aren't familiar with, like, who Vram is. And honestly, half the people who know who Vram is are on this podcast. So, uh <laughs> But, um, yeah, Arami's backstory, like, despite being generic, is, like, really cool because I am a big fan of spite. And when you are a merfolk who wants to, like, go out into the world and discover and see what's on the land, all, like, little mermaid style, and then you find out that it's filled with uh, um, scheming pirates who loot and pillage and murder your home, uh, and then you take revenge and drag them down into the ocean and... Uh, reanimate their corpses and they become your undead thralls. That's like awesome. I'm I'm here for the goth little mermaid story. Yeah, I definitely. When I read the story, it was super like I knew you would love this card. And I, I I'm here for her getting her revenge. Oh, the card's really cool too. Encore is a neat mechanic, and like I'm really glad that they have the card that can just give anything encore. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a very very strong ability. <laughs> it really is. If 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 I wasn't so averse to duplicating color identities in my commander decks, I usually only do it when I have like a really strong reason to, a really strong pull to another commander. Uh, I would probably build around me in a heartbeat. Card's so awesome. The flavor is awesome. I love it. Um, next up, we have Arkelos, Lagoon Mystic. This is part of a, uh, how do I say this? Not Not specifically the fine, but like obviously paired are uh, two commanders there is arclos and then there is a rabbit that comes along later um, oh so arclos you, you is... can describe them as uh, a dyad in the force <laughs> wow oh um but the the turtle here just takes a very very long time and uh has been along alive for a long time but basically people ask him questions um, and then eventually, eventually you might receive an answer. Um, but it just plays into turtle slow abilities. And this card is um, an interesting, an interesting twist on what we could have seen from a turtle commander. So I like it. Our next commander is Arden, Intrepid Archaeologist. 
Arden seems to be a perfect mixture of um oh gosh oh no what's his name oh no i'm blinking nathan drake <laughs> sure we'll go with nathan drake and akiri there was oh man all the coins sound the same anawan <laughs> arden seems to be a, a mixture of anawan and akiri being just looking for all the secrets of zendikar that the new skyclays have to offer while using his ability as a, a proficient line slinger to get there, eschewing the easy-to-get places to to sling up to the harder-to-reach to get all the secrets and mysteries, and he, he's really cool. And um, I'm really looking forward to using him with uh, Rogok to uh, pump up the littlest boy to make him into the biggest boy. <laughs> Another thing that this set has done is given us a lot of new characters that are connected in some way to older characters. So next up we have Armix Filigree Thrasher, who is a golem from Alara. Um, this, when the card was previewed, I suspected it um, because um, they're a, uh, a colored artifact creature, which is the thing, you know, the Esper mechanic. Um, but what we learned is that uh, this is actually a golem created by um, her name. Freya, um, who hey found Karmat uh, over on Jund. What a what a surprise! The missing ingredient to creating new Ethereum. So Armix is just an entire Ethereum golem who is so frenetic and powerful that he's like way too violent, uh, and Freya seems okay with that, which is great. Um, love love uh, chaos and destruction on Alara. That plane should never be at peace. <laughs> no unification. Keep your factions. We need the factions kept if we ever want to return to make sense. Uh, and then we have Averna, the Chaos Bloom, who's an elemental shaman, although not confirmed from Lorwyn. Um, being an elemental with a job kind of mostly predisposes me to thinking about the uh, Flamekin on Lorwyn. Although, of course, this is a teamer character. Uh, who just kind of embodies chaos. Uh, there's a mana quake who has powered, powered Averna, and it's got all these crazy chaos powers. And that's kind of it. Our next uh, legend is Bel Borka, Spectral Sergeant. Uh, Bel Borka was one of the first characters introduced in the Ravnica, the original Ravnica novel. Um, he was Agris Kos's partner, who was promptly dispatched by a uh, an assassin's bomb uh, that wiped out a huge section of Ravnica. That uh, you know that instigated the entire storyline. He uh, he had an awesome life insurance policy with the Orzov that uh, brought him back to get justice for his murderer. So he's one of the he's one of the only, if not the only. No, he is the only Wojek to solve his own murder. Uh, <laughs> and I find that hilarious. Um, it, I mean, that's, that's, that's one way. I'm not sure I would have put that in my life insurance that I wanted to come back and solve my own murder. But, you know, I guess to some people, justice means everything. And I guess he, he's the kind of person that that matters to. Our next character is Captain Vargas Wrath. There's a lot of new pirates in the set. Some of them are planned agnostic. 
This character, uh, who's an orc pirate captain, which is awesome, is uh, confirmed from Ixalan. Uh, he had his own ship and is connected to a character we haven't gotten on a card, but has been referenced on a number of other cards, uh, Captain Ripley Vance, who um, you might recognize and remember from the card Vance's Blasting Cannons, one of the DFCs, uh, which turns into the Spitfire Bastion. And so Vargas Wrath is a pirate who took his one little ship and tried to assault the Spitfire Bastion, got, um, was, got destroyed, but... The sheer reckless badassery of trying that attack uh, convinced uh, Captain Vance to give Vargas uh, his own ship and um, is now part of the Brazen Coalition. Just like good, good, good pirate stories. Lots of action, lots of destruction, tentative alliances, respect for dumbassery. It's got it's got all the all the good gems from those kinds of stories. Next up, we have Dargo, the shipwrecker. Dargo is like. First, I'll start off by saying Dargo is probably my like the actual flavor gem from the set. It is the card that I think is like the most flavorfully appropriate between like the story that is told and the card's abilities. Um, he tried to join a he tried to join a pirate crew. Was told he was too big. Um, he. You know, it joined anyways. The boat sunk. He got stranded on an island. He keeps trying to join on other people's ships to end up, like, to get back home and to not be shipwrecked on an island. But every ship that picks him up just ends up sinking anyways. And it is, like, it strikes the perfect amount of humor and, like, ignorance that you would expect from a red character like this. And also, like, plays perfectly into the card's abilities. So I'm going to create a new character, or uh, I'm going to create a new category, and this will be my actual flavor gem from the set. <laughs> this card was hilarious, and I love every part of it. The art... Oh, go ahead. The... No, go ahead. Were you finished, Brian? No, I'm done. Okay. Uh, got the art on this is so good, and I say that even though he's biting into a lobster, that which is illegal, but like the tiny pirate hat just sells this for me. It's so good. <laughs> so great um in the continuing trend of me getting the weird spelling characters next up we have uh essior wardwing familiar the blue familiar who is uh unsurprisingly uh an owl thing except with big ears uh and in in traditional intellectually superior fashion uh essior is extremely helpful in pretty much every way but uh there's there's a good uh, last line here on, on the bio. But if you wish to borrow her strength, there is something you must understand. To Essior, you're her familiar. <laughs> Which is just like, you know when you see someone walking a dog and it's pretty clear that the dog is just dragging the person behind them? That, but with a magical familiar. <laughs> uh, and... Then our last familiar is Falthus, Shadow Cat familiar, who's just a little gremlin bastard of a cat, uh, <laughs> who who shares gremlin bastard power with whoever it's around, <laughs> and that's that's just wonderful. <laughs> like it, we we get a lot of because cats and magic tend to be uh, white or green, we get a lot of you know 
the pride cats or like cute house cats or um, a lot of like ferocious cats. Uh, we don't get a lot of cats being utter assholes. And I feel like this card fits perfectly into that trope. And uh, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, and then we have another new character, uh, Gen Arcanum Weaver, who uh, did a draft sim for the set on uh, Tabletop Simulator uh, and played a Gen, drafted a Gen deck. Uh, it's my pack one, pick one, and was really fun, uh, even in Limited, where it's, I think he's only kind of okay, but like, someone please build an awesome Gen deck because he deserves it. But um, Gen can see the way enchantments are put together like the the way so you know in the lego movie where like they'll look at lego bricks in the environment and like they'll flash up with their part numbers and then they'll know how to assemble them into a thing that's kind of like gen but with enchantments he, he just like sees all these things floating around him in his mind palace like sherlock and we should respect that because Sherlock is very smart, which means he's superior to everybody. We just learned that in our last bio. Um, <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> but uh, also, like, I really appreciate the vaporwave art here. Um, just the the neon blues and pinks and oranges are fantastic. Like, we don't get to see vaporwave influence stuff in magic, like, ever because it's mostly uh, fantasy IP. Um, and hasn't trended in that kind of visual direction, uh, hopefully in the future, but like, it's very good. It's a very cool character. Um, he just kind of like fiddles with magic, uh, because he can see all the little bits and pieces and how things are put together, which means he can pull things together and put them back together. And that's cool. Indeed it is. Our next card is Galandra, Color of Wirewood. Galandra is from the Wirewood Forest, obviously, that is located on Oteria. Um, and this this card, the story for this card really makes me interested as to what happened on, um, on Oteria. Because, like, going into Dominaria, people, like, most people assumed that maybe it had become sort of a wasteland based on the art and flavor text from Memorial to War. Um, so the story, uh, for Galandra or Galandra is that, uh, upon hearing that, uh, elves and other people or elves lost their families and homes after the invasion, or uh, they, or he, uh, traveled the world spreading word that Warwood had plenty of room for new residents. Um, and he took it personally. He made it abundantly clear to everybody that he was there to make it as welcome as possible. And that, that really is interesting to me. And I want, I really want to go back to Oteria to see what else happens there. Cause th this little blurb, I, I honestly thought Oteria had just become a wasteland after Corona is sucking all the magic away and leaving the, uh, the blasted hellscape that she probably did. But it's interesting to know that there's more to that story. Ah, because small clarification, uh, Gilanra isn't from that era of Otaria's history. Gilanra's from after the Frexian invasion. Like after Frexian invasion before this? Yeah, that's what I assume. Frexian, after when the Frexian invasion yeah. devastated much of Dominaria, elves 
elvish immigrants were welcomed into Wirewood. Yeah. Uh, I guess it doesn't it doesn't make it abundantly clear what time period they are. So it could it could have been before the Corona period. So maybe Oteria is wiped out. We don't really know. Don't lure people there just to blow them up, please. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of <laughs> crappy. Uh, but yeah, Lanawar got plague bombed. Uh, Yavamaya was eh. It, it, it suffered its own losses. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I, now I definitely need more clarification as to what it, when this card takes place because you don't really know. I mean, I I, I, the blurb that we get. I interpret the blurb as, hey, the Frexian invasion displaced people and Galanra welcomed people and putting it in that time, which, uh, you know, getting because Otario wasn't invented yet when the invasion block was happening. Like getting retcon's not the word I want to use because it's nothing. Nothing is getting changed. Things are getting added because there's a hole in canon where new things can exist. Like information about Otaria retroactively getting added to things related to the Frexian invasion, I think is really cool because yeah. like we didn't get that before, uh, and this won't be the only character where we get that from this set. A uh, little preview for later this episode. Next up, we have Glacian Power Stone Engineer. Um, probably. <laughs> Why are you booing? He's an asshole. <laughs> he is probably one of the characters that uh, players have been waiting the longest time for, along with Rebecca. Um, Glacian was a part of the original Thran Empire. He was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of the first victims, what the first notable victim of Yogmoth, um, during Yogmoth's seduction of Rebek and uh, takeover of the Thran Empire. Totally, um, he ended up. He had a latent Planeswalker spark that ended up being captured within um, the Power Stone that was actually infecting him during this time. Um, there's a whole bunch to go into about Power Stone radiation and how exactly Glacian <laughs> was tortured for an entire book and uh, how he was never believed and how he ultimately died. But the most important part is that his spark went on to um, be captured in the Power Stones, or the two halves of the Power Stone that would make up um, the gateway to Phyrexia inside of Caves of Koilos, which would then later be broken by Urza and Mishra and Urza would eventually get that spark. So, um, yeah, I think it's a fitting card for Glacian. Um, it's been a long time coming and I'm, I'm sure people always had expectations that were different than what we got in this set. He's one of the uncommon commanders. He can't be too, too powerful for limited reasons, but I appreciate him finally, finally gracing us with a card. I mean, I mean, honestly, I, really love the card i love the power level it's at i like that we have a ton of new commanders in this product designed for commander that aren't ridiculously overpowered like Marin. um like i don't you dump all the cards you don't take into your graveyard it's artifact anti-self mill like those are those are good traits to have on a commander and I, i you love to see it and like you know he gives direction. You want to be building an artifact deck where you have a lot of cheap artifacts, probably tokens. So like, I, I like commanders that give direction and he gives direction. Uh, and having a bunch of different kinds of artifacts makes him a good partner with Rebecca, who can, who's 
protection abilities works better when you have a bunch of different artifacts at different mana costs. So I like that both of them together um, kind of translate into, hey, fill your deck with a bunch of different converted mana cost artifacts and keep them around and just churn out card advantage and defensive strategy, which when you're talking about engineers in a giant city, feels appropriate. Yeah. Or alternatively, use Urza, use Karn um, from Dominaria and get a whole bunch of <laughs> construct tokens and then just go off, you know, um, along with Glacian, of course. Um, the next character we have is, I'm not even, do you guys want to take a stab at this name? Uh, I'm going to be horrible. Nostro, voice of the crags. Nostro. That, that the one's, <laughs> me points to the Greek one. That one's easy. Yes. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to try to butcher it. Um, Nostro is a chimera from Theros. Um, the Theros chimeras aren't exactly relevant for the most part, Um they flavored this one to have three heads. Obviously, it has three colors and three different abilities that you can choose from within its modal tap ability. Um, I think the only real notable Chimera that we had throughout the entire, um, through both Theros sets, or both Theros blocks, quote-unquote, is one that was created by both Perforos, or created at, by Perforos as a gift for Thassa, question mark i cannot recall it directly they don't have a whole bunch of story significance aside from that one in particular pestering elspeth um but it's interesting to get new um a new chimera that seems a little bit more wild and a little bit more like just stalking the mountains of theros and waiting to actively kill you (laughs) so i'm all in favor of this one it's cool flavor for a jeskai colored character yeah it is i mean i love the abilities on it um it is it just feels like a very very wild wild creature despite obviously being a chimera our next card is hamza guardian of erishin uh so this card is from tarkir from the original tarkir timeline before um sarkin goes back and saves ugin and changes everything um he is a protector of the mer-ek fortress um where the Khan uh holds court. Uh and he is a big part of why that fortress is considered impenetrable. Um so he was an orphan raised by an influential Abzan family and uh he's known to be strong. It's funny that this is the first elephant warrior that we get uh that's legendary from this plane and because the rest of them weren't all that great. So this <laughs> this card it seems really, really strong. Mm-hmm. So uh green and white circumventing mana costs is good. Uh also also just our first outside of Frankie Peanuts in Unhinged, and nobody I think wants to talk about Unhinged or think about Unhinged. Uh Hamza is our first legendary elephant in Black Border Magic ever. Yeah. I like the Loxodon in general. Um, I think it's one of Magic's more creative creative um, humanoid creature types. Not humanoid, you know what I mean. Um, Anthropomorphic. <laughs> oh, furry is yes. what you were going for. Oh, God. Yeah, Magic, <laughs> Magic, you know, hits it out of the park with furries. So. Legitimately, though, it does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh... <laughs> uh our next card is Hans Eriksson, who this is my flavor gem of the set. Um, 
This card is so perfect. Uh, oh, gosh. Ryan Pankos just nailed this card because you can see Safi Eric's daughter in the background. I'm sorry. Let me describe who this person is first. This is Hans <laughs> of Akhan's Run. It's the from Unset fame or the flavor text from um, the Lurgoyf. Ach, run, Hans. It's the Lurgoyf in that flavor text. Quoted to Safi Eric's daughter. I'm assuming it's her brother because she's Safi Eric's daughter and he's uh, Hans Eriksson, or Erickson. Um And you can see him just smelling a flower and uh, blissfully unaware of whatever is menacing Safi in the background, who, which we would assume is a lure wife. But this card, basically, whenever he attacks... You flip over, and it could be the Lorgoyf. It could be anything, and you he fights that creature. So it's it's perfect. It's so good. Like Ryan Pankos nails this art with all the details and the flower and Safi in the background, and it's just this card makes me so happy. Yeah, when we talk about mechanics that aren't about fighting in a game that is mechanically about fighting, this is the kind of cards that are ten out of ten points for every aspect of the design. I think this is one of the best design cards in the set, one of the best uh, flavor representations in the set. Um, well, I think it's one of my favorite pieces in the set of art. Uh, this is just a 10 out of 10 card. Yeah. Like, we've we've waited uh, 25 years, I think, for a Hans. And um, I, I think this card just delivers yep. on, on every aspect. Um, but... Speaking of things that deliver, things I love to see is uh, references back to New Frexia. So we have uh, Ik Tekik, Salvage Splicer. Our, uh, I've I've wanted a legendary splicer for so long, and we have one. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Ik Tekik is not green-white, which I think would have been ideal. Um, but uh, Mono Green Artifact Matters Commander. Yes! Um... So Iktikik is uh, Vorenklex's personal splicer, um, and uh, part part of the mono green engineering of uh, you don't need to think to be a good machine. You just need to be the ultimate predator. You need to be bigger and stronger and more murdery and more destructive and hungrier and want it more than any other organism. And uh, being being able to uh, profit off the destruction of other machines as you yourself in your machine might become even more powerful. And that's just all embodied in a card that makes a golem and makes your golems and itself bigger whenever your artifacts die. Um, I'm sorry, anybody's artifacts die. That means, yeah, you naturalize your opponent's panharmonicon, you grow your own artifact creatures. and uh, I am... I am going to not have a mono green commander deck soon because my um, Titania deck is getting subsumed into Omnoth, and I am very seriously considering this card because I think it's cool as heck. And then uh, next we have a Moti, Celebrant of Bounty, who's a Naga Druid. Uh, pretty simple backstory. Local river is mysteriously poisoned by mysterious magic, and the local tribe uh, is uh, freaking out because they're uh their their rivers all polluted and emoti is 
the person who is trying to use magic to cleanse the river and has uh, rejected uh, the rest of uh, her communities um, um, and has rejected all of her community's efforts to elevate her politically because she has a duty to do and that's more important than governing um good for her oh lordy uh so remember when i freaked out because tavisat had a card because i love the armada comics uh we we have a card for jared carthalian true heir the shadow mage himself um in his utter 1990s romance novel cover vest and flowing locks uh, like uh easiest way to summarize is the carthalians are a line of heroes on dominaria um jared is uh the planeswalker of the family uh although this obviously is not a planeswalker card this is before he ascends um he um <coughs> <coughs> He has, uh, the, the main quest of his arc is fighting against Ravadel, who was also not a planeswalker for a while, then became a planeswalker villain for many of the later, uh, Armada comics. And, uh, he kills almost everyone in Jared's life, and, <laughs> um, and then instigates the planeswalker war, which Jared fights in as a planeswalker, uh, I believe, right? believe he's uh, that's never seen again yeah uh yes. so here's here's fun facts uh so we have this old lady jaya ballard right there could be an old man jared carthalian still wandering the multiverse isn't that fun to think about and that old man's name raven man <laughs> <laughs> oh, i was trying to wow. think of what the mother Ludi would be and it's just not good wow I would hate that so much. Yeah, that would be <laughs> wasted. That would be the <sighs> ultimate troll job, and I would... Oh, man, I would laugh so hard. I forget, Jared rides the the Nightmare Horse, right? That's him? No, that's that's Altair of the Colonial. Oh, that's right. Uh, Jared rides a Shivan Dragon yes. once, and then the Shivan Dragon gets pretty pissed at him, because I think they're going to, like, Grenfell Moor's domain or something. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. They're not very good stories, if you'd believe it or not, for being written in the 90s as comics. But, like, uh, <laughs> we, we talk a lot about the Armada comics are really uneven. Um, in particular, like, I love the Ice Age comics. I love Fallen Empires. Even, you know, I was about to say I love the Chandelier comics, but Sh- Chandelier starts strong and really tapers off. Um there are aspects of uh, some of the other comics that I enjoy. Oh, Homelands, I really like. Um, Jared shows up in, what, Shadow Mage, uh, Wayfarer. And then, I'm pretty sure that's that's uh, that's functionally it. Yeah. Those are his two main storylines. Yeah, those, those are the main ones. And would have showed up in whatever would have happened after Wayfarer if the Armada line did not get canceled. Um, but, yeah. Love, love having Jared here. Love having a really interesting monarch commander. Love having having this exist. I'm sure. I'm sure Ethan is very proud. <laughs> yeah, and I believe Jeff Gomez posted on his Twitter yep. um, about it. It's it's a very exciting card, and he loves the mechanics of it as well. So yeah, uh, shout out shout out to Jeff Gomez who gets to see Jared Carthalian and Tevish Sot like 
just ripped out of the comics and put on magic cards 25 years later. What a, <laughs> what a crab. I'm so happy for him. Um, then we have a jury master of the review. Who's uh, the jury review is a thing that has been referenced in Ravnican flavor text for many years now as a, as a deadly and destructive Rakdos entertainment thing, uh, particularly bloody uh, jury is like the ringmaster uh, of of this whole event. We don't really know much about him. Like, he's pretty generic Rakdos clown who murders people. Uh, and you know what? Good for you, buddy. <laughs> Our next card is Kangi Skywarden. This is the second iteration of Kangi. The first one didn't really have a ton of story implication, but was a pretty cool bird commander. Um, but we get a little bit more information now. Um, apparently, Kangi was um, an Oltarian um, leader. And uh, when the Northern Order, when they found out about the Firethian invasion, uh, Kangi uh, realized that the invasion didn't really hit Oteria very hard. So he sent Kangi and his followers to fight against the threat and led troops and hawks into combat. Uh, to down Phyrexian portal troops or Phyrexian troop carriers before they could disgorge their monstrous warriors. So there's tons of potential casualties that Kangi and his warriors and fellow birds prevented. So really interesting. Uh, doesn't really say what happened to him afterwards, but a really cool story. Yeah, again, shout out to putting Otarian stuff in the Phyrexian invasion. Love it. Um, next up, we have the rabbit pair of the rabbit and the or the turtle and the hare. Um, it is a rabbit folk <laughs> called Quain, again from an unknown plane. Uh, basically, just runs around and bothers bothers Arkelos. Like, there's not much to this pair except for um, Arkelos has very very slow apparent time magic, and Quain is so fast that he nullifies it entirely. Um, and then after that, we have Lathiel, the Bounteous Dawn, um, a unicorn, which is notably not 50 or $60. <laughs> but... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, that jumpstart stuff, huh? Um, Lathiel is the perfect myth of the unicorn card. Um, the story is you get to see Lathiel once if you're just in the perfect place and the perfect time. And if you do, you feel empowered by it. But... It is a unicorn. It is a unicorn commander. If you're going to go that route, go that route. Our next card is Miara, Thorn of the Glade. Uh, Miara, or Miara, sorry, is a Dane, which is a packmaster of the exquisite class on Lorwyn. Uh, so she's probably someone who hunts my favorite commander with the Redeemed at the time. Uh, but she's known to be a uh, a super deadly hunter and talented. What was that? I hiccuped. <laughs> uh, oh, where was I? Crap, lost my train of thought. Um, sorry. She's, she's known to be a super talented. She's known to be a deadly hunter and talented tactician. Uh, so yeah, it, it's another throwback to Lorwyn. I wish we would just go back there instead of getting uh, throwbacks on random sets. But you know, well, I'll take it. Uh, so she's really good at her job. Oh, and I have the next card too. <laughs> Nadir. Our next card is Nadir, Agent of Duskenel. Uh, 
So this card is the story for this card is awesome and hilarious to me. Uh, so this is from an undisclosed plane where there are several nations of elves and there's the Duskenel nation of elves uh, who has a rocky relationship with another set of elves that are considered wood elves. But uh, the uh, wood elves come to a kind of summit where Nadir is assigned to be a diplomat uh, to the wood elves. But uh, between the wood elves and Duskenel, they they both the leaders of both of these nations know that Nadir is not really there as a diplomat. He's there to go assassinate a bunch of humans who have gone out of line and started cutting down trees where they shouldn't be cutting down trees. Like Nadir is the kind of elf that old school Lanoir would be all all like fully behind. So th- this this card is super sweet. He's there to train some of these wood elves and drive these humans away, and I'm all about it. Our next card is Nevenerol, Urborg Tyrant. Nevenerol is a old, old Lich Lord, um, back before pretty much everything we knew about Urborg. Um, he ruled over Urborg. He, I mean, the card is playing around Nevenerol's disc, which is a very, very iconic artifact within Magic. Um, Nevenerol basically tries to attack one of his neighbors, fails, his neighbors attack him, and in response, burnt earth policies himself and <laughs> destroys destroys his entire city. Um, it's said that in the blurb that other lich lords claim to be his heir, but none of them have a tenth of the ancient necromancer's power. Um, it's just an interesting character to finally get in magic. He's an esper-colored lich. I mean, zombie wizard, technically, but lich. And I think a lot of people were thrown off by that. But as I went back in um, Mark Rosewater's asks on Tumblr's, a lot of people were asking for an Esper zombie lord, especially um, around Amonkhet time when we had all the Amonkhet white aligned zombies. And I think this is probably the best fit you're possibly going to get for kind of recycling your zombies. So. Well, I mean, Verena's there too, but yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm just fully in flavor, uh, or I'm fully in favor of zombie flavor in this case um shout out to this art for putting his disc in his little chest piece because that's a really good tiny little detail you may not notice at card size but the disc is there yeah the disc is said to be his phylactery in the story blurb um would be interesting (laughs) I i think that's a very interesting detail that's all i'll say uh, next up is Obeka, oh, Brute Chronologist, a.k.a. Wife. Uh, and any any statement about a commander that begins, uh, Obeka will punch you into next week, literally, uh, is, is a good start. Uh, she's an ogre wizard who's a time mage, but uh, manipulates time by punching it. And uh, I appreciate that about her. And uh, that's that's all I have to say about that. It's, uh, strong, strong, strong ogre ladies. Good. Our next card is Rayav, Master Smith. Rayav is 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 no stranger to stunting on people because uh, <laughs> he's so good at what he does. He released plans for his greatest invention 
so that other people could try to replicate it and fail. And then once they once they got that out of the system, he would he built it for himself. And then everyone knew it was him because he's the only one who was able to pull it off. And like that, that kind of like, I wish I was that good at something so I could just be like, yeah, I did this. You can't even copy it. So even if I give you all the plans for it, like that is some that, that's some real good stuff right there. The next character we had is Sakashima of a Thousand Faces. Um, Sakashima was featured originally in one of the Kamigawa, um, I believe, Saviors of Kamigawa vignettes, um, and originally had a card in the Saviors of Kamigawa set. Uh, he is a shapeshifter. Um, I will. I have specifically picked to cover this character's or cover. I specifically picked to cover this card because I want everybody to go out and read that original vignette it is probably one of the best magic stories in my opinion but it is also i think the only actual mystery genre magic story that takes full advantage of having a shapeshifter character that they're trying to find out um the story name is called the face behind the mask i'm sure we can post a link to the archive of it in the reply to the show notes but i just I just love this story so much and it is um I think it's just an all-star without or an all-star out of the Kamigawa vignettes as a whole. Next up is Slurk All Ingesting who is a legendary ooze, a creature type that has a surprising number of legends. But a uh, pretty basic backstory here. Slurk is an ooze that takes the form of the things it eats and those forms just keep building up bigger and bigger and bigger, and now lives in a temple and eats all the folks that come into the temple. Uh, Thelise, Reverent Medium, is your MTG goth girlfriend of the set. <laughs> um, she, she woke up in a graveyard with no memory of who she was or how she got there. And uh, she is friends with ghosts. And listens to ghosts and tells ghost stories and she's probably has uh, a bunch of stories on archive of our own and uh seems like probably has been posting on tumblr for like 10 years and that's just <laughs> the vibes i get good good bean uh then we have tago goblin weaponsmith a minor flavor text character from uh the onslaught <laughs> oh. block who has some fantastic, fantastic pieces of flavor text, uh, most notably on Shock uh, from Onslaught, which is lightning. Uh, it's my greatest invention since The Rock. <laughs> and so so we get, uh, there, there's a bunch of flavor text relating to uh, designing, quote-unquote, designing weapons that are just very basic things like lightning or fire or rock. Uh, so, we, so we have the goblin who has invented rock and, and makes the rock equipments and it's just amazing and adorable and i love it um the lightning in the background of the art even though uh, it's not mechanically represented on the card is a nice little throwback to shock as well i do also like that the rock deals exactly two damage yeah it's a shock <laughs> you just rock. like have to you have to physically throw it <laughs> yeah your creature has to tap to throw the rock like couldn't have had it any other way. <laughs> Everything about the card is just, like, perfect. It's so good. Uh, another throwback character in the same name, in the same 
Another throwback character in the same vein as Nevinroll, we have Tormod of Tormod's Crypt fame. Um, just, I mean, you got, you got another zombie wizard who's just kind of fucking going wild in the old times. This one's from the era of the dark, um, which we admittedly don't know that much about. Um, but Tormod ultimately, um, sorry, <laughs> I'm re recentering myself. Um, Tormod's card plays on the ability of Tormod's crypt, specifically the exiling creatures from the or creatures from the graveyard, and then gives him a little bit of story. Um, I mean, we we didn't have any information on this character before, so. Yeah, Gavin's little anecdote about working on the set was uh, when he got a list of characters people had asked about from uh, Kelly Diggs. Uh, some had entire histories on them, and Tormod was handed over with three words, has a crypt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I'm not crazy about, oh, I mean, the Church of Tell makes perfect sense here. Um, it's just the kind of exact kind of zombie return story that you would expect from Tormod in particular. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, then we have Tuya Bearclaw, who unfortunately this card has nothing to do with donuts. <laughs> but um, in a rare move for a supplemental set, we have a character from Tarkir who's from the Dragon's timeline. Uh, uh, Tuya is is from the, the modern uh, Atarka clan. Um, and uh while you know dragon claw is not um not a title that anyone carries anymore she has taken the name bear claw because she rides a bear to hunt which is badass and i'm proud of her and i hope she's doing well and then finally we have lilith soul of steel while you were busy looking at a meteor lilith was studying the blade and the blade was that meteor i'm pretty sure um <laughs> a meteor crashed into the ground he went into the crater and found the sword. Um, he picked up the sword and the sigils appeared on his arm matching the sigils that were on the sword itself. Um, he just masters the sword that he found in a giant crater. I don't know. <laughs> it bonds with <laughs> Not him. Not much more to it. Yeah, exactly. And the sword also gets its own card in the set. Um, I just I just like the, while you were busy watching a meteor streak through the sky, he finds his sword. Yeah. He's like Gender Ben Shira. <laughs> um but again the the other uh precon commander so dude bonds with a magical sword is like generic trope space but this has like really neat visual elements uh to the sword uh and the design the the sword like is bonded to his arm and the designs on the sword have become like glowing tattoos on his forearm which i think is cool as hell um and that's a good place to leave off because that's the end uh for another long episode uh, i'm glad we don't have any long episodes coming up oh wait we're doing D, &D starting next week um <laughs> can we also say that the a names in this set were absurd and take up like a good third of the page alone uh i have a yeah. lot of opinions on fantasy names and uh am guilty of some of the things that frustrate me about fantasy naming conventions in general but yes uh too many a names is an issue but like when he, at least, like, that's a relatable, because, like, when I start thinking about names, my brain kind of starts at the beginning of the alphabet, which means if I hit something good early on, you know, as early as A, then I'll just go with it. Uh, but, like, there's too many Ks. K is the name for planes. I was just about to say that we have so many K-themed or K-named planes. Characters, too. Magic. 
Can characters yeah. too, because you can you can take you can take a name that you would write with a C and make it feel a little more magical by changing the C to a K. Um, that just for English, that is a little linguistic quirk that is fallen back on a lot. Um, uh, there's also overuse of Z's and X's and V's and Y's. Um, replacing I's with Y's is a thing that happens too much. Um, the only place where I really like those things is Frexia, where you get like really harsh sounding names, which is great world building. Um, yeah. But outside of Frexia uh, and I guess general demonic flavors, uh, although at this point using really harsh names for demons is kind of overplayed. Soften up your demon names. Thanks, Vincent. Um, <laughs> or Miss Hightree. Um, One day we'll get Asmore. As more Vincent partners. God, I wish. I, I really, I, I like the demon from uh, Dual Loyalties also. Uh, Illith, I believe his name is. Uh, he is the demonic tuner demon. Um, yeah. Anyway, before we start talking about distant planes too much, uh, final thoughts. Uh, so instead of talking about distant planes, I'm going to talk about my newest hyper focus, which is uh, the studio trigger film Promare, because weeb shit is great. Uh, if you loved Gurren Lagann or any of uh, Studio Trigger's stuff, um, Premiere is wonderful. It is so colorful. The visuals were stunning. The movement is great. The music is outstanding. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, himbo twink pairings. Um, Premiere, Premiere was great. Go watch it, everybody, because I'm going to like... I'm making pretty much everyone I love watch it because... I'm that kind of hyper fixating on it right now, and it is so good. <laughs> um, my final thought is that uh, I can't wait to get my Commander Legends stuff. Super stoked for it. Oh, you mean like these cards are going to be actual real cards? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, Commander Legends is like out, out now, so go get it. Yeah, I'll eventually need to get around to building a Tevish Zot deck. You know what's funny is I would not build a Tevish Zot deck if he had his invasion era design oh mood it is I, only it is only because he kept the armada design i i i was hoping he would have a card in the set and if he did i was hoping with every ounce of of hope in my body that he did not use the invasion design and use the armada design and he did and thank you everyone who worked on commander legends and made that happen yeah. my final thought is destiny 2's latest expansion beyond light just came out Tuesday. I finally downloaded it yesterday and started playing. So I'm just diving into that. So there goes pretty much all my free time until I move. Yeah, my local partner who's been staying with me for the past couple of weeks uh, has been playing it a lot and has given me a lot of ultimatums of, uh, hey, make sure I don't play Destiny before I get my work done and stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah, seems I, I should I should also mention that like Destiny is the anti-magic for me. It is a game I know none of the lore about, but will play endlessly for hours. Whereas Magic, I know too much of the lore and also never get to play it now. <laughs> ah, come on, you can't, so, you can't know too much Magic lore. Uh, oh, yeah, true. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But just being able to like sink time into something and not... like I'm aware of the general story beats of Destiny, but not having to know like every single facet of mm-hmm. the world building is just such a relief. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, this ran long, so this end part is going to be really quick. 
you can head to patreon.com slash cast and give us money so we can keep making episodes. And you also can get on our Discord server where Vorthoses are great. And it's a great community. And thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting and being great Vorthoses. Have a good whatever your local time is.